This episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by the Finish Line Script Competition. The Finish Line Script Competition is the only script competition run by ex-literary managers. All entrants can opt to receive six plus pages of actionable development notes or submit their script as is. The competition has entered the latecomer stage and the deadline is June 29th in which you can receive notes and then rewrite your script and resubmit it for free. No other script competition provides this extra bit of sauce to bring your script to the next level. Over 40 industry mentors will read the winning script and the competition staff itself works with many semifinalists to make headways into the industry. Don't delay in submitting your script. The late deadline is June 29th. Head over to finishlinescriptcomp.com. One last thing. We're on our way to our 400th episode, and while we will continue to drop knowledge on the screenwriting game week after week, we would love your support, which you can provide via our Patreon page. Find the link at screenwritersrr.com. And we want to thank everyone who is a current monthly supporter. Your generosity has been a boon during the pandemic. And now, on with the show. I'ma say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the Rain Room. Well, you gotta be a rider till your fears are diminishing the doubts are behind ya. It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed in the rent room. We let that shit up off our chest. You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca. Sass in class, yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja. Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard. He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards. It's all about the crap of screenwriting. It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening. Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun. Write what you feel, say what you want. Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest. You guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. We keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Yeah. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Uh, Lisa Bolacaja is out today. But we got my man, Tracy Grant, in the building. Back in the house. What's happening, man? Hey, man. It's been a minute. Us in it's person too. A joy. Yes. To be with my people. Vaccinated and shit. Vaccinated. <laughs> and when I said my people, I'm not speaking just of like my people in my right. in the business. Um, you and Chris are yeah, my people. We peeps. definitely friends first. For sure. And it's all love. I'll start with a reminder for everybody to manifest positive. Like a friend of mine has reminded me of this. And I would say, you know, I'm not being negative. I'm just being real about, you know, all these mm-hmm. things that happen. I was right, like, right. but when you speak negative, even if you're recalling something, mm-hmm. negative really does manifest. So it may sound, you know, pie in the sky and hokey, but you gotta not only speak positive, but kind of affirm what it is you want, what you're after. Right. At the very least, don't give voice to the negative stuff. Yeah. You with that, P. Frank? No, uh, I think that's a, <laughs> a, a reason why my nickname is Positive Frank. So I, mean, I, I, I manifest that. I, my, my whole life is the, the reality of that mindset. Yeah, that's what's so, up. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. The negatives that happens to you, if you don't learn to 
the like the lesson from that and find the the positive thing that that you can take from the negative then it's bound to happen to you again no doubt you yeah. learn from it but you don't wallow in it and i was just remind you know the past is in the past mm-hmm. but if you rehash the past too much you make the past into the present so you just have to be careful and you know i'll tell you this uh I have covered, you know, music and hip hop for a long time, and, right. and Tupac Shakur um, wrote uh, "I See Death Around the Corner." He spoke a lot about death uh, being right. a, and, and overshadowing and being a part of his life, and it happened to him. Mm-hmm. And so, a lot of other people I know, or DJ Quick, or people we were talking, and you know, it was like kept telling him, "Don't." The more you say that, the more it brings those spirits mm-hmm. to you. Right. So I just want to know that if you manifest life and preach that kind of thing, you yeah. you can see sometimes the real life consequences of it. For sure. I agree with that. I, I talk about this all the time <clears throat> with, with writers, and we've talked about that on the show many times, Chris, about like the things you even blast on Twitter and Facebook or Instagram. If you look at my stuff, there's never a negative word anywhere. I always talk about the positive, you know, congratulate somebody, whatever the thing is, and I only post my positive stuff. That doesn't mean I got bad shit, don't have bad stuff in my life, but I only talk about what's going on good. I don't, I don't go into politics. I don't go into any of that. If I say something negative, it's usually like in backing up somebody that said something in a cool way mm-hmm. that I was like, now see what they said? Preach. Right, 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 <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right, right. That's about as far as I go. But right. I don't I don't make it political at all. Um, I get political all the time. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's who you are. I don't people know how people's going on. What's going on wrong? That's what's up. Swines um, in the White House and stuff like that. that mm-hmm. People have to know. <laughs> not not currently, but previously. Right. Chris Derrick in the building over there. <clears throat> um so if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and jump into the show. So to, today, we got a big bro in the building, the OG himself, been around forever, doing all kind of things out there, producer, writer, director, all kind of stuff, Look, just killing him out there. Um, Mr. P. Frank Williams, everybody, you guys know him from... Go ahead. What you trying to say? No, I was going to say. Uh, I just, I, I was great. Whoever this guy is, <laughs> I was going to Y'all know him from Unsung, an unsung Hollywood American gangster, I mean, cop watch. You know, the Tupac Shapur, uh, who killed Tupac Shakur. I mean, all kind of, we can keep going. You know, who shot Biggie? Y'all just changed the title, don't yeah. y'all? You're like, you know what? Let's do one. Let's do the same show, but we're going to say Trap who killed Queens. <laughs> Trap Queens. Right? Oh, Trap Queens, celebrity we crime. It. We got to stay hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah celebrity yeah. crime. I mean, being, y'all, we could just keep going on. Yeah. Wu Tang Clan. I mean, shh. BT Awards. You've you been out forever. Now, um, we met you, I want to say I met you probably at least 15 years ago something like that, at OBS. It was a while ago. Um, I think you were just starting to really start to produce a bunch of stuff back then. And um, let's just talk about like where you're from and how you got into the game from the, from the first place. Well, no, I mean, thanks for having me. First sure, of man. all, be some brothers on a, a beautiful day like this. Yeah, and, uh, you know, um, it's been a journey. You know, I'm celebrating 26 years now okay. of being in entertainment, you know, not being in the hip-hop world, but, right. you know, I manifested out of Oakland, California in the 70s and 80s and sort of in the, the shadow of the yeah. streets of Oakland from Bobby and Huey to the most rugged dope yeah. dealer. To like, you know, you I'm know. from EPA. Yeah, so. So, you know, my, my mentality <laughs> is very yeah. like, you know, do for self. Right. Um, I come from that out the trunk mentality. Um, so we never really waited like 40 right. or short. We, you know, nobody was paying attention to the Bay Area. And so, you know, conscious but street. And so I was able from there to 
go to school in San Diego State and then Columbia University and then work at LA Times, mm-hmm. which, you know, was I came at the paper in the mid-90s. It was a pivotal time in the culture. And Were you reporting? Or were you I worked as a reporter at the LA Times okay. for six years mm-hmm. when I got out of school. So but before I even started doing all of this, I was right. a real reporter. I covered Metro, covered crime, right. dogs, courts. I covered Snoop Dogg's murder trial. Mm-hmm. Um, I covered Tupac Shakur getting killed. Right. The hospital, I was there. Uh, so a lot of crazy things. And, you know, my love for the craft of hip-hop got me you know started to freelance for the source back in the um the 90s right. so when eric when eric and easy easy died mm-hmm. i wrote that cover in the source in 95 yeah, as right. well as when tupac died in 96 and when biggie died in 97 unfortunately mm-hmm. and you know and i was the west coast editor for the source and then became an executive editor so you know from all of that it's just been able to take that manifestation of a storyteller right. you know people ask me how did i get started and all those things i mentioned are like the jobs but the craft started in my hood with my you know, I think it's in my bio, like mm-hmm. a lot of the dope dealers in my hood couldn't really write a letter for the young right, broads. Right, right, right. And so it was, hey, dude, with the big glasses and the afro, <laughs> that's just hanging out with us. Why don't you, you know, I know you're nice with the pen. So I started writing letters. I so get like five bucks, 10 bucks. Really? And I tell those story, you know, mm-hmm. what's her name? What she look like? What she wearing? So, right. you know, that's the genesis of how it, how to start it as a storyteller. That. Yeah, yeah. Th- one so, of the, what's, I, what's that like? Ahead. It's like, um, that Steve Martin movie, Me. Roxanne. It's like Roxanne. He, just a little too. He's young. the hood Cyrano. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He's okay. the hood Cyrano <laughs> de Bergerac. That's exactly who he is. <laughs> I was. You said was, hood Cyrano. <laughs> I guess you could call it that. Yeah. That's funny. So I wanted to have my dude Tracy Grant on with us today. You know, he's from New York and a very hip hop dude. Was there for like from the beginning. You know, DJ. You know, all that stuff. So I knew that you relate to a lot of this stuff that he for had sure. going on. You know, you probably was deep into the Source magazine in For the day. For sure, or totally. And I squeaked <laughs> in as a writer, a double XL vibe mm-hmm. here and there. Um, I didn't get big there as a as a writer, but we were we were definitely around. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about unsung any of these hip hop related projects right. that you were more than qualified to do was who killed Tupac. We were all talking about production a right. little bit before we started. And the fact that production has different meanings or different things, mm-hmm. you I don't know that there's like a set group of roles or responsibilities or things you have to do. You just mm-hmm. kind of problem solving. Like whenever mm-hmm. it needs right. to move the ball forward to get the project taken care of, <laughs> that's what you it's do. Right. So. <clears throat> Maybe you can walk us through, because you're at the LA Times, or you're at the Source. You're at the Source. You're certainly a, a, a hip hop authority, uh, in a way, or people sort of perceive that. So, if you talk about moving from that into these documentary projects and kind of getting the projects off the ground. Well, you know, one thing that happened, which was sometimes you're just at the right place at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously when I was at the source and, you know, and Death Row and I was covered that heavily and Suge in jail and all this kind of bad, you know, Dre leaving Death Row and I was, you know, did that. But what happened was we started doing the Source Awards again. Before the, you know, 95, like 94, we did the first one, then we took a break and then it came back. Okay. And so I started, when I was at the source, um, I didn't do the famous one with Death Row versus Bad Boy, right. I, but I was there that night, ironically, because I was working at New York Newsday. <laughs> and so uh, we started doing the Source Awards again. It was like, well, we need somebody to write it. Hmm. And I was like, well, damn, I, I'm actually a writer. I mean, I write, but I have a television degree. Right. So I ended up producing the Source Awards when we came back in 99 and wow. 2000 and 2001 or whatever. And so it just opened my eyes to the television part of it, which I, you know, as a journalist, 
we just writing articles and you know mm-hmm. i don't know they might even read a four thousand dollar four thousand word article about suge <laughs> now they probably would still but back then that was a big deal right. like the right. source we we didn't have all of the social media we didn't have no way to connect That's right white media didn't want to take us on like mm-hmm. they were we were still the outliers right. this is before ti and and bad boy and all of this went like crazy you know right. what i mean and mm-hmm. the hip-hop 2000 2001 became that um so I just slid in. Um, producing the Hip Hop Awards led to the Vibe Awards, led to other music shows, which led to my first documentary, which was um, American Gangster. You know, that was that was just fortunate that um, that I was in the right place. And so I was able to produce those award shows, which led to American Gangster. So, but I think the same thing applies, you know, and I think you guys, your whole show and things is about the craft. Right. If you can tell a story, which I did in the LA Times, what's the beginning, the middle and end, and put some interesting stuff on it, then you can do that in television. It's just taking what I wrote on a piece of paper right. now to a TV screen. So um, it was just luck, man. And I think the fact that I spoke the language of the streets and as well as the main language of white mainstream America with the degrees and the work and all of that stuff that they like, but still could go, you know, deal with Shook for three days and, right. you know, and all this craziness, it was good. And so that's how I, I just really didn't, and, you know, online took over newspaper worlds around yeah. 2000s or whatever and so mm-hmm. the newspaper world was dying the print world was dying and so i was fortunate to sort of get out of it as it left you know left the, um because they would have cut the black staff first anyway oh, <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna say that part <laughs> but trip here's the thing that i dig about every time i watch any of your shows p and i think i've seen pretty much all of them mm-hmm. is I'm always, I'm always, you know, because we all, you know, direct and produce and stuff. So I'm used to sitting behind the scenes. So I'm always picturing where you are in those, in those moments and fascinated with, even when you guys are on the street and you guys are like in the middle of the jungle or shooting, (laughs) whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? It's always like, man, like they really respect you to allow you to be going into those situations. So they know you a real dude, right. you know what I mean? That you can, you could do that in New York, Chicago, wherever you are, you have been, you've been everywhere. You knew you've been in which are the worst hoods and the nicest hoods, you know what I mean? True. So I'm always fascinated with that, you know, that you could blend right in. Well, no, you know I think, I, mean? I think, you know, he was mentioning talking about some of the stuff that he did and the credibility right. matters. I mean, the fact that I know <clears throat> Snoop since he's 20 something years old and mm-hmm. I was in the courtroom when he got right, sentenced, right. that makes a difference in trust and being able to, mm-hmm. you know, I was on with the Kango kid yesterday. I'm doing this, directing this concert with Lisa, Lisa Kango in full force. Nice. Um, he was like, damn, I remember, you know, such and such, or, you know, I, I, I know what it's like for mm-hmm. us to be at the Grammys and they didn't want to put us on TV. I've been in the Grammy room right. when Method Man so it was like, I ain't going, you know, whatever. And I'm driving around with Method Man that day because he's mm-hmm. like, F the Grammys. And he was like, they don't care about us. And he was right. right. I was in a room before and they wouldn't put us on TV. Right. Now LL Cool J is the host and, you know, they they, they blasting us off, right? <laughs> right. Everything is, is hip hop. Right. But before they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I just think that, you know, a lot of that, whether it be my friend Carlito, who's on Empire, who's a writer there, yeah, we whether it. whether my man Selwyn, who's mm-hmm. doing amazing oh, things, I love yeah. you know what I'm I mean? Working Our, on Selwyn, Selwyn. And so yeah. um, these were all the students of the source and that that world that we come from, yeah. that we were, you know, we were the Rolling Stone <clears throat> of our generation. Right. That's how we're still here now because that credibility counts. And I always say to people, and you guys know this, everything you do along the way plays a part in what happens next. And so all of that crazy stuff that I did and, you know, the hip hop stuff, now it's translatable. When I go do Who Killed Tupac for mm-hmm. A&E with Ben Crump, right. 
a lot of that is me calling Flex. Like, Flex, I need you to do this. That's me calling Doug. Right. That's me calling Ice-T. Mm-hmm. That's me calling my mm-hmm. people. Eric B. Be like, yo, he's like, are you sure this is going to be good? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm trusting that you're not going to put me in a foul situation. Yeah. Because yeah. if you do, I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> I know so, where you live. Look. I know where you live. Tell the truth. That's <laughs> real. Truth. So that's, I find you in the club. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just funny. saying, I just think that there's yeah. a continuum, a part of it, which is what you do in the past. All of that stuff now plays a part in where well, we are. Right. To me, what it sounds like, and I think this is fascinating, is that it's like, you know, because I've talked with someone quite a bit, you know, um, I can't remember where like Cheo worked. Didn't Cheo work at? Yeah. Cheo was an alumni of the yeah, source. Yeah. 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 And the LA Times. Cheo and I were at the LA Times at the same so time. So it's yeah. like, there's an interesting ecosystem of those guys, of you and those guys. You know, your mm. contemporaries. It's interesting you say you were Rolling Stones of that era because that's like the source at that time is like the stone is it like it's like rolling stones in like the late 60s mm-hmm. or early right, 70s right. it's breaking all the music yeah. it's breaking all the people and those people who came out of there it's <coughs> interesting you know what someone needs to do a movie like almost famous but what, about the source oh. people like the source we've been talking about it we can never get it together there's a lot of uh, disharmonious activity involved <laughs> disharmonious but see, I don't know if that's the word right you know, no, but, but, yeah, but, 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 but see that's what you kind of want to see yeah. you kind of want to see I mean look I mean, look. The thing I love about Arnold Famous is it's fictionalized in a certain way. Right. So some people go, "Okay, that's me," mm-hmm. but you're not calling me that, yes. you know. And I feel like that's interesting. I mean, but but, but I that's that's what I do whenever I write an, a, a biopic uh, anyway. Yeah, but I know? but I feel yeah. like you know, like you, I th- I think what you're saying is very fascinating because people don't necessarily recognize how so much of your career is not. I do one thing and I pop off and I and I'm and now I'm on top of the world. Right. It's this I, it's this masonry job of like I'm building these bricks, mm-hmm. I'm laying them down, I'm putting, pivoting, I'm and put, no, putting right. in the spackle, blah blah blah, and, until you know that you know that the wall gets big. And I'm like, oh shit, now we need to look at this. Right. You know, and that's, that's, that's interesting you say that. No, it's, it's it's good and bad because there's a times when you know we were on the ascension, we were doing all this stuff, and mm-hmm. you know I produced the Olympics or things were great. And there's times when I lost everything and I have no money and I couldn't work. You know what I mean? Last mm-hmm. year it was a tumultuous right. time. But I know that it's a marathon and not a sprint. Right. And so us knowing that, you know, I think as storytellers, you start with a blank piece of paper. Most people, they got a bunch of people on their job. They all doing something and working together. You start kind of, you know, I, I, I know what it's like to just start with no words and just something there or right. a show. What is just I'm, I just did a show I'm doing with um, with Beautiful Murray. And it's a crime show. And, you know, they had a nugget and we started to work it out and figure it out. And so now it's become something else, you know what I mean? And whatever you're doing or whether unsung, you know, mm-hmm. Big Daddy Kane is like, I ain't doing no damn unsung. <laughs> like, Too short, it's yeah. like, I'm still popping. Right. So, But it, the fact that I knew how to like talk to them or right. had history, there's like, are you gonna make sure it's good and I don't look whack? Mm-hmm. And so they don't, they didn't care about TV one. They don't know that shit, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. So, but no, I mean, I, for all of us, we're like a crazy, you know, that, that almost famous is our life. Like, you know, it's so funny. I was telling people, um, Back in the like late nineties, early two thousands, Donald Trump used to be in the club with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I believe mm-hmm. <laughs> he did. Right. I, don't, you know, I don't need nobody to say yes or no to that. I right. saw it in my own eyes. I seen right. there's Puff at Life or Joe's or whatever it is, Club mm-hmm. New York or Hollywood or whatever it's called. And there's you know Chris Rock mm-hmm. and there's Nelson George. There's me. There's right. Sewing. We were all together, and I think that that uh, that freaks people out a little bit. But it did freak me out, and I interviewed him, and I was like, "Damn, what are you doing?" Like. 
what the fuck? I seen the club trying to get up girls. Or, <laughs> or, you know, he wasn't on the bottle service, but he was definitely right. there because he was friends with Russell. So right. I don't know. It's just it's just weird that we come from that. And I think when you see Empire, you see all the stuff that Carlito was able to write from that right. because he lived it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and who killed Tupac? You know, me and Ben, we being able to go to the street where the dudes who killed Tupac live and talk mm-hmm. to them and get them involved, that's a different kind of conversation than mm-hmm. what I'm having with the president of, of oxygen or right. whatever it is. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, man. No so that, that's a trip. So let me ask you this. Um, the other thing, because I'm in the middle of a documentary mm. I've been working on for six years. Okay. As you know, sometimes they take a long time, yeah. but sometimes you guys can interview everybody and just get shit done and you're moving. Boom, right, right. right. <clears throat> but, you know, we're working in the independent world, so it just takes a long time. But um, let me talk to you about, like, when you guys are putting together, say it's Unsung or any of those shows like that, you guys have like a room where you guys are working it all out or just have you, you have already established your structure and format. You just kind of know what it is. Well, that show is totally different because this show has been on forever. There's right. a format and intro <laughs> teaser, how many people I know I'm going to be in there. I need a family member. I need a cousin. Right. I need an artist. I need a label person. So there's sort of a gumbo that everybody puts to that. And that's easier to do. Like I say, generally it's a three to three to seven, three to six months in terms of from when I very first started, go mm-hmm. out on the road a lot of time, interview the people. Well, I started with outline. Mm-hmm. How intense is the outline? Just uh, it's pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely try to beat you through what the each act is going to be or okay. what who you know. Hey, you know, he's from he's probably out to it. Grew up, mm-hmm. he wanted to be a wrestler. Then he's like, right. I like writing. And then he went to how you know whatever the mm-hmm. thing is. Then you go do that. But then there's some discovery that happens when you go out. That's right. not what you expected, right. right? You're like, oh shit. Big Daddy Kane is walking down, you know, Fulton Street, and his cousin pops up. Right. Uh, walking him by right. his first friend at <clears throat> breakdance. So I didn't know that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then we come back, take that, and then you take that outline and refresh it with what you really have shot. And then you got to try to chop it down to whatever time. And money is a part of it, mm-hmm. obviously, because of how much the footage costs, yeah. how many songs you got to get in there. So that that's an easier thing and a harder thing to do because... Artists are difficult and crazy as hell. True. Um, and so just sometimes managing the egos is harder than the actual production. Right. So yeah, then we get it. I say get that in all the bay. time. Yeah, <laughs> get it in the edit bay. Mm-hmm. Knock it down. Gary comes in and, and VOs it. The Trap Queens is a little different. American Gangster Trap Queens, which I just produced on BT, which was all women hustlers. Mm-hmm. Um, similar, you yeah. know, but different kind of vibe. And it's, it's a little bit strange to do that show because I used to do that show 2008. Nine, I did Monster Cody. I don't know if you remember Monster Cody. Um, Felix Mitchell. And I did an episode about Matulu Shakur, Mm -hmm. who is Tupac's father. So, no, but I think (laughs) if you saw some shit I wrote about uh, Ghetto Boys or EPMD Mm -hmm. in 1996 or whatever, it's just taking that little profile thing I wrote, and now I just put it on TV. Nice. Oh, here's a different version of the, it's kind of the same question, Mm -hmm. but we'll, we'll take it a different way. So, if it's unsung or if it's American Gangster Trap Queens, what's the typical day? Say we're like right in the middle of production. Like, what will you have to do that day to sort of fulfill your duties? Well, good, a good example. I'll take. I'll give you a real example instead of just whatever. I did this episode of American Gangster Trap Queens about this girl, um, this woman, Jamila T. Davis, and mm-hmm. Jamila became a um, credit card hustler first. And then she's getting cars for people. Um, then in the end, she was doing real estate. And so she was changing people's credit scores, right. getting all these big cars, or the houses in Alpine in Jersey. If you're from the East Coast, you know where Alpine is at. Yes. And um, 
what happens was like just to get her to do it was one thing and then we finally got that got her deal so by the time i get on the road to actually go shoot it i was just in queens yeah and so i'm trying to deal with uh, one of the good few days i went to her house with her mom and dad so i did a lot of the interviews so i had to get there mm-hmm. scout it and now because of how things are i had to have security because viacom was like i was fighting with them about i don't want a whole bunch of security guards right. in the middle queens like outside looking Brand weird attention yeah so, I'm, so you're saying that, so part of my deal was talking to them mm-hmm. being like i don't want to, and i want somebody black because i don't want you know this mm-hmm. is real this you want to talk about the real part of right. it or you want to talk about the yeah, clean yeah. part of it right. and so dealing with that then make sure her mom and dad were comfortable they're you know immigrant you know they're from the deep south and just stay with what are we going to ask they're not tv people mm-hmm. so i had to talk them through that got jamila there did their interview you know, and by that time we was driving around the mall. Um, damn, is it Empire Center? What is the name of the mall in Queens? Um, and so no, just dealing with that. Mm-hmm. You know, dealing with the dance studio where she was getting, where she used to be a student, where Mob Deep Prodigy was as well. Nyla, Nyla, not too loud, please, okay? And so I deal with all of that, and then still have to interview people. So it's still it's a lot of balance. And some days are just interviews, mm-hmm. like where I'll do five or six people in a row in a room, a hotel room, try to you know. Make sure it looks good in the back. So see, see, this sort of sounds like a Mike Wallace type of situation <laughs> when he's going to see Atoa Homeini and he's like, "Hey, let me uh, get everything stable here right. so I can move through and not get shot." Right. You know, but it's fun though. I mean, I think I, you know, I don't know how you guys work, but I think because I've been doing this so long, like you know, one of my favorite episodes of Unsung that I did is about Houdini. I love and I love episode. Houdini. Like yeah. you know, it's always good as a person to. My favorite to, rap group ever. It, so Rest yeah. in peace to Exorcist. Yeah, rep in peace to uh, to John. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I remember just being a kid, listening to the music, or going in a fresh fest, or having my sweatsuit. But then you have to deal with them in real life is a different thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I was trying to get it done. I got D to say yes, Grandmaster D. Shout out to my man, Grandmaster D. Mm-hmm. Which then got X. Um, great guy, by the way. I went to the Exodus Projects in uh, downtown Brooklyn, Atlantic, um, Borum Hill. Uh, so I'm glad I have this tape of X. Right. And it was he showed me the first place he started rapping for sure for the first time. Yeah, you have to watch the episode. Terrific episode. Yeah, and so it's a goal. That's and gold. so, but um, I'll just say it, you know, publicly. You know, Jalil is a difficult person, mm-hmm. and Jalil threatened me, <laughs> all kind of <laughs> shit. Threatened me from you know the stage. Finally said yes to me, and mm-hmm. it wasn't like it wasn't as nice as you thought it would okay, be in right. terms of the real process of it. Mm-hmm. It turned out great, um, but that's the dirty part. And so I had to deal with him. I'm trying to break up his group, and he I didn't ask his permission to get this going, and mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So you got to think Strong about strong-willed, you know, very yeah. 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 Funny story before we uh, sure. move to something else, I'll tell you um, because I love uh, X. John, John's a good guy. Um, Ecstasy, the hat. Everybody knows Ecstasy, mm-hmm. Jello, and Ecstasy, and Grandmaster D. Or Houdini. And so we were doing the interview, and rest in peace, uh, X was like, he had a triple shot of Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept telling him, I'm like, yo, because you know, he wanted to kind of like chill. It was a lot, of, he was unpacking that this was a lot of his life, right? Mm-hmm. He had never, this is a deep interview. So I'm like, just take a sip. So you could relax a little bit. He's like, no, nah, I want whatever. And then he took a big sip. And he started sweating. <laughs> so, you know, if you've been doing this for a minute, you don't want to, you know, if right. you drink, you start to sweat. And you're on camera. And he his drink just kept sitting there. He's talking to me. I'm like, dude, you can't take the drink. And then when he finally ended, he's like, oh shit. Take it to the head. But rest in peace to my guy. How long, how long do you usually now you said just sometimes when I interview 
you know, like I'm doing this thing about surf music back in the 60s, right? Oh, dope. Okay. And um, so sometimes we will like block shoot every single, we're like we got six people in a day. I for do that, ex- yeah. For example. I do cattle calls, yes. Yeah. And so, and so we'll, we'll block them all like in, you know, 20, 30 minute increments right. or whatever. And, um, but later what, where I start having problems, like I'm deep in it right now, because mm-hmm. you know, in the midst of all the other work I'm doing, I'm like slowly a couple hours a week trying to right. put together, because I, we have all the transcripts done. I go through the transcripts and I build my script through that. Correct. You know, based on my original outline that I had. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's a slower process for me because unfortunately we've interviewed a lot of people. You know, and as you know, sometimes like, dude, you got to meet this person. You're like, fuck, that sounds like right, a, right, right. a dope person. Right. But I keep telling everybody, we're done. Stop. We don't need to see. Right, right, right. I got the whole story now. I don't need anything else. And then, boom. Well, you got to figure out what each <clears throat> what each person serves, you know. In Houdini, I had uh, uh, Kango, who was a dancer for them and then became somebody later. Mm-hmm. I had... Um, Barry Yo, Vince. Kango, Barry, you think yeah, you dance? Right, and Barry, <laughs> Barry Wise who was in charge of Jive mm-hmm. at the time. And then some of the kids, so each person, I had their A&R. So I was trying to make sure that each section or each part of their music, their life, whatever. So I try not to overdo it. Because okay. usually in an episode- Do you keep it linear? Well, pretty yeah, on much? that show it's pretty linear. But now yeah. it's gotten to be less linear. But it, it is pretty straightforward. Okay. American Gangster, all of mm-hmm. those shows. So, but no, I'm, yeah, I tried it. I tried it. And this is one thing I do, which I'll say to people who you're trying to do documentaries or whatever, this is the best advice I can give you in terms of over interviewing don't go interview the cousin who barely knew Kane for right. three hours right that's a 20 minute interview right. you know mm-hmm. Jalil it took me four hours I mm. took a good mm-hmm. break mm-hmm. let him come back because he might say some shit and then sometimes I've circled back to the person like too short after I did the first one once I got a rough cut you're like let me fill in those holes right. so that's what I say try to make sure you knock it down and if you got to go pop and get people but all of that over interviewing and stuff, somebody's gonna have to watch that. You that's you you making more work for yourself. I mean, you right. Know, yeah. That's so right. I mean I mean just <clears throat> it's, it's, it sounds like what you I think it's an interesting process you mentioned, like you're saying that about how you do that secondary interview to do the follow up because it's interesting, you know, because I feel like because I worked on one documentary one time about hip hop in New Zealand. And it's you know, when you uh, I can't remember who we fucking interviewed, there's some famous group out of there. Um but the outline is so critical, mm-hmm. but it's got to revise yeah. based upon what mm-hmm. you get. And it's interesting. I think that's where a lot of people get lost when making documentaries is that they don't know where to begin. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and also, that I, it's a great thing you said about you go, go back. Because you get stuff and you realize we should have asked them. Mm-hmm. I, I could have asked them. Mm-hmm. And you might not know to go ask somebody. Cause that's and, a, and, and by the way. I usually start with that person first in terms of thinking about who to interview first and why. Mm. I usually start, you know, it's Hilliard's life. Let me go start to him and then I go unravel with all his homies because he ain't going to tell me whatever. Some of these people may tell him some shit Mm -hmm. that he may not really want me to know. Mm -hmm. And then I could get through all of that and then come back to him and say, hey, you know what I found out? That cousin Jimmy told me that time y'all was drinking in the 40s (laughs) and then y'all was over there smoking that good. Oh, he's like, no, that never happened. (laughs) 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 We didn't look up like I'm caught now. I got to talk about this. Remember that hotel room that y'all stayed for three days? Whatever. So no, I'm just saying that's that's just the process. right? So one of the issues that I'm having, Tracy, you you guys still post on yours, or what are you doing with yours? Late season one is in post. No, I'm talking about your doc that you did. Um, the doc is done. Okay. Long story. 
Okay. That, okay. that old uh, one. We that, understand. That's a whole understand. other thing. I was just I was just asking in reference because one of the things that took me so long to get to finally even where I am with this particular, but I'm not afraid to talk about it because I've already told the guys that I'm <laughs> is, and I'm sure you've been through this too, where sometimes like the the group that I'm dealing with, it's it's about this group, you know, they were like 12 to 14 years old back in the 60s and they opened for the Beach Boys and Jan and Dean and all these groups and they never really made it. Well, 50 years later, they decided to make a new album because now the internet is that they've actually sold hundreds of thousands of records they didn't know. You know, so they got all these different things. So it's about this group coming back full circle, oh, okay. coming back full circle to finish this album, right? Mm. And so I said, so I'm always trying to get them to talk about like what it was like back in the day. Okay. And they're always like, like for instance, so some of them went off to go off on big, big bands, like, like a three dog night, for example, right? Is oh. one of the people. And so, but they never want to tell me like what it was like on the road when the drugs and said, so they're like, oh, well, you know, we're Christians now. So we don't, and they, that's not important. I'm like, no, bitch, I need to hear the, yeah. the good stuff. Right. So we're always like sidebarring, having these deep conversations about you guys want to go to Sundance, but y'all don't want to give me no information. Right. But, <laughs> I, but I, I mean? I'll, I'll say this, you know, and I, and as in terms of me being very transparent in my life, you know me for a minute, right. whether I write or post or say, I talk about the bad, the dirt, the, the, the grime of it. Cause I think that, you know, one thing I'll say is doing all these documentaries, your fans want to know that you lost all the money, that yes. you got a girl pregnant, that you had to go live Will Smith with your mama after you became a superstar. That's and how they relate it. to you. And yes. they want to know that you had the same problems as them. And I think that when we're trying to gloss up stuff too much and make it all beautiful and shiny and the cars and yep. the girls and whatever it is, true. You, you don't get to the, you got to show the dirt because that's a part of your trajectory and that's a, that's a record. That's on your record. Right. And so, and that's what people want to hear. So I, I always say I, I do, you know, you know, I do vegetables and candy. Okay. <laughs> well, well, it's, 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 okay, this was interesting. And when I say that, I mean, I mean, when I do vegetables and candy, I give you, you know, you need them vegetables. Like your body needs them broccoli and, right. and corn and That's stuff right. to go through there and that apple to make stuff work. But then you want, you know, some cocaine and I know you want some Ciroc. And so, you know, we, uh, that's what that's you want. That's candy. It's not an hour in spree. So it's cocaine. I know you want to know how I was balling and how many girls I had and what, how my house looked and what kind of car I was driving and, right. you know, Shook trying to kill Snoop or whatever it is right. that you want to hear. I know you want to hear that. Right. So I just want to make sure you get that too so you can feel good. Right. What are you saying, Chris? Well, no, I, I think that, you know, there's su there was such a high premium up until I want to say the 80s where people's private lives was really kind of protected and something in, I don't know what it is in the 80s but it kind of kind of like put this let's find the real story about people like each true Hollywood story is one of them that did it oh, yeah. I think each one um, behind the music um, yeah, there's biography. one biography. Yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. Of but, but, but it started. Change. It started yes. around there because mm -hmm. because because mm -hmm. what ha you're, the thing is is that you think about like the Hollywood stars in like the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Like their their image is so protected, mm -hmm. and there's not enough about them that we know. And so when all those little dirt stories come out, we're fascinated by all that mm -hmm. stuff mm -hmm. because I, I think your your point is so true. It's kind of like. How do we identify with these people? And maybe there's cautionary tales. Like, like I remember, um, remember this guy named Vin Baker who used to play for the basketball player. Yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This motherfucker was a Starbucks barista. Like, like a few years <laughs> really? after, lost all the money. Wow, lost all the money. Hmm. You know, and it's kind of like, how'd you lose all the money? 
You know, people want to know mm-hmm. that because yeah. there's something about when That's anybody why that t- gets that money. TLC episode was so big. Right, 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 right. Yeah, because because yeah. because people think that when you people, so many people think that the money and the fame and the associated celebrity is gonna like is gonna erase all your problems. And the thing that you know, when you meet anyone who has like any kind of, you know, they're in the A list of that level. They're ratcheted mm-hmm. up to ten. Their problems get ratcheted up too. Yep, correct. You know, and 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 they might need to spend a lot of money trying to like you know balance themselves. But it's hard to balance yourself mm-hmm. because if you re- particularly in the music industry, you reach an apex, this apex where everyone is kind of worshiping you, mm-hmm. and they you know so there's no one who can really shut you down or talk to you in a certain way mm-hmm. because. You know, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, what p- p- people might start calling you a hater at that point, you know, mm-hmm. someone close to you. But in reality, people who are trying to give you that reality check are not, uh, like, you know, like, I, I, I'm not sure if they're kept around a lot, you know, because I, because I met. Well, nobody wants to, be, nobody wants to be challenged. Everybody yeah, wants to, yes, man, you know? you know, and I think you need more people around you to be like, that was a bad idea. You know, one, you know, I, I do all these cautionary tales, of course. Um, you know, one of them I think I, I use and is not meant to be a diss. You know, it's like Suge. Suge mm-hmm. is the prototype of when you have bad people around, right. bad things happen to you. Mm-hmm. And when you don't listen to the universe or whatever, you know, and, you know, he had a lot of yes men, people he were paying. And he was, mm-hmm. you know, he nobody was telling him what you're doing is a bad idea. Yeah. And, you know, you see how that ended up for him. So, you know, you got to keep that around you. See, in, I, yeah. I also yeah. think that sometimes a lot of, you know, I used to be a backup dancer for a lot of singers and rappers and stuff too. So I'm very familiar with this. I've been on tour, I've done all that and videos. And I always used to think that when you'd watch them with their, you know, their posse or their group or their gang or whatever the thing is, like a lot of times coming from the yes man thing, a lot of times these guys are, are living in a world where, like you said, everybody's saying yes to them but everybody around them is encouraging them that everything they do is gold. It's not. Yeah. And, and, and that they can't go wrong. Right. And the biggest problem I find, is, and you already know this, they bring the streets to the work. And you can't mesh the two. Well, they you know, are, just to be totally clear, you know, and I, at this point, I, wanna, you know, I don't know who's listening to this, but Tupac Shakur got murdered because he wanted to be a gangster. Right. Suge Knight should have said, you're the property. You're a, a recording artist. I'm not going to bring these gang members around you, right. and you're not going to start saying mob and whatever. Right. Right. You're a black revolutionary. We need you to make this music. Right. Somebody should have been the big, smarter dude and did that. But instead, he became a follower right. and put himself because he had too many yes men around mm-hmm. in that situation. Right. And you see that Dre left because of that. Because like I can't, you like you just said. And so I'm just giving you like a tangible, mm-hmm. real situation where you literally can see how. That played out, right. and so you know, with the, with the right mentor, with the right, right business savvy, right, right, some yeah, person, right? He he needed right. to have Alex Avon talking to him, right? right. Totally, right. right. Totally. and you were the the guy for sure for all of these unscripted projects in the hip hop world, music world. But you're also versatile. You got there's a feature like last night a DJ saved my life, right? I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us about. Are there any contrasts with your work? on a scripted feature, anything that's different? Well, I got a couple of scripted. Then. I haven't done as much. I would, you know, that's one of the things I want to do now in 2021. But I think dealing with actors and dealing with their contracts and dealing with the permits is still the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But there's a different <clears throat> ego to scripted talent than it is to unscripted right. people, which is a little bit more regular real life stuff. And, 
your trailer and who's getting more than me mm-hmm. and best na- favorite nation and all of this and right. I want some points and blah blah blah. Usually as a producer, I'm like a a soup to nuts kind of producer because I can go write the outline, be in the street, mm-hmm. deal with it, produce it, right. then go back to edit bay, supervise the editor, deal with the network, get their notes, go all the way through. And mm-hmm. I'm not just getting talent, but on scripted, usually I'm working to get talent because I have relationships. Right. Yeah. And I may be on set, but I'm doing less actual physical producing than I normally do. But um, no, doing scripted stuff is, is more fun. I like it's more like fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not, you know, people... <laughs> I hate you. Want to kill you and pulling guns on you? <laughs> How was your experience on that on that film? Oh, it was great, man. I shot that in Atlanta last night. The DJ Save My Life is about a a guy whose girlfriend breaks up with him on the radio, and then he blows up, and then she's trying to kind of get back with him. He meets another girl, and so <laughs> the DJ kind of like saved his life because he was on the radio. Right. Um, but it was great. My boy Cisco Reyes, Jasmine, who is from Saints and Sinners, and that um a bunch of people. I, I would love to do more. In Atlanta, I think that's the place that I, every time I go to Atlanta, I'm always making a movie or something. And mm-hmm. we shot that for like, a, you know, 150 nice. or whatever. And so, um, you know, Atlanta's a place you go spend 200 and make you flip your money real quick. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You know, I, 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 there's a few projects I worked on with, um, you know, there was a movie we were trying to do one time with the Wu Tang Clan a long, long time ago, and I. What I well, good luck with that. Well, <laughs> no, it's, that's never. Do we happened. have some experience? With that? <laughs> this never happened. <laughs> Just everything about that was one of the most. Uh, anyway, that's one uh, of the few uh, times uh, I ever had a real like. There's a few times when I've been threatened, um, <laughs> and I've been you know violence almost happened, and obviously wow. the source there's a lot of crazy things that happened, but mm-hmm. one one of the members of the Wu Tang Clan was out. We were out. And I produced a whole doc about them. And anyway, so he was like, fuck these reporters, these TV people, and these writers, they don't know how to live our life. This is back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just, just like, fuck them, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like standing there and whatever. And he's basically trying to like, whatever. Yeah. And previously, they hit another, one of the Wu-Tang socked someone who's mm-hmm. a well-famous writer. I won't say his name. Right. But I was like, Yo, bro, um, you gonna say that? But I'm I'm still six two, two twenty five. Like we could, we can get it in. You know, I'm not like a, <laughs> right. I'm not a fan. Right. So, but Wu Tang, <laughs> you know, Wu Tang ain't really nothing to fuck with. Rest in peace, ODB. Yeah, yeah that's one crazy interview right there. It is, but it's, it's, it's interesting. I, what, I, what, I, what I noticed about it is is that it's an interesting kind of dynamic about scripted and unscripted. Is that you know everything starts and circles. Are, it's, it's like it's like with recording artists, they're the sun, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so, so everything revolves right, around them. So, if they are the subject, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so if they want to come two hours late, then we then they're coming two hours late, right. and we're gonna start two hours late, you right. know. And it's gonna disrupt if you can. Though do I do something. usually lie to certain people. Well, yeah, you yeah. tell them one time yeah, and yeah, another yeah. time. Though, yeah, <laughs> though, made me wait for three days one time. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he kept trying to give me food and girls and whatever. I was like, dude, I just wanted to interview. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Um, anyway, no, you're right. I, 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 was, actually, I like both. I just like the no, fact. No, yeah. no, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying yeah. there's one or the other. I'm, I'm just saying something I noticed is that, you know, and whereas if you're working with like a scripted show, well, the, well, then everyone knows that the show is like the is the is the the apex point, you know. So the, well, it's not just about the one person, yeah, unless it's yeah, about somebody. Right, but right. and that's and that shot in these like predictable we're gonna shoot you know page five to seven here mm-hmm. this time your time to be here and unscripted is more let's just show up and hope, I, I'm, hope. You, you know <laughs> i'm not sure if you think the guys who shot tupac's gang are going to show up at a certain time right. who's going to be with them right. you know they may not show up right. so you know it's just it's different so when you when you guys are shooting um whether you're in a studio or in somebody's home 
what what type of crew do you like to take with you? Like how how short, how small well, is it? Well, it's 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 COVID has really changed the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you an example. Pre pre COVID pre COVID. So a show like Unsung, I'm usually shooting that in a field with myself, um, two cameras, uh, audio, and some type of a PA, mm-hmm. and then like a gaffer sort of. Uh, Lighting guy, like a mm-hmm. uh, no, like a um guy who does the the, the cards and all of that. Oh, so you have to have the, some the, type the, of a, um, what do I call it? The guy who downloads the multimedia it. guy, and so he'll do yeah. the, or whatever. So that's right. like about six, seven of us. Something Data like input, yeah yeah, 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 like something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but then like my show, Cop Watch America, which was a show I did on BT about all these activists, anti police brutality activists. The irony that I did that right before all of this happened, and mm-hmm. you know, no disrespect to BT, but they kind of dropped the ball on that. Mm-hmm. Um. That crew was crazy <laughs> because I was driving around New York City and Atlanta with two cameras, audio, a driver, PA. You know, I had security, right? They want security guard. And then I was sometimes a cast. So sometimes we were in like three, four cars okay. going back to back. Right. And then I would advance security if we're going to go somewhere. It was a little unpredictable. And then I would have talent with me as well and mm-hmm. plus the makeup. So that could have been like. 15 people all right. in one place or whatever. But now uh, I just shot Unsung Music in the Movement, which is a two-hour music, like Unsung kind of spinoff on TV One. And it was just the sound, camera. He didn't man both cameras yet. It was only like four of us, five of us. Wow. Yeah, because we couldn't have as many people because we couldn't have as many in the right. space. But we, you know, we had to seriously condense it down and we didn't do that much field shooting so we right. couldn't you know we didn't have as much do you do you usually direct those too or do you yeah just... direct and produce all okay. of that yeah just, uh, just... set up the shots whatever those scripts or shows unfortunately they don't get a director credit right. sometimes i've gotten a director credit but of course yeah i mean i'm like how to shoot the b-roll how are you gonna look what to right. wear the whole shit right because th- that's what i was curious about because i'm always looking at when i'm looking at people's docs like what is what's their a camera what's the b because i always have i always have c right because i want to have for example if we're shooting chris i want to have my a camera on him you know here and then my b may be you know somewhere over here over here and then i want to have like a slider just just we just call it a dirty camera you, you know, know if you got that if you yeah. can afford it yeah, yeah, but, yeah but that's just like my normal setup that i like to have because i want to be able to cut and to have different things and it just on. depends for us about money you know right. what i mean it just is always something about money if you're gonna have to hire that other body how many days sure. are going to take in the budget now things are a little smarter where somebody will have an extra camera. A PA can do that right. camera um, and not have to give a, a line item to a real camera guy. Because sure. there's sure. a difference between that $200 I'm going to pay the PA mm-hmm. and that $800 that I'd have paid a camera or $900 or whatever. <laughs> Facts. That's, yeah. all the, that's all the dirt, you know. Let me let me ask you a question. So we were talking earlier about, you know, the DJ's, DJ Save My Life film. Mm-hmm. Have you had, I'm just curious about this, because one of the things that I know with your experience with how you know how to produce TV um, I bet you'd be perfect to actually run an actual show with the things you know, right. post and all that shit you know how to do and running mm-hmm. and managing and all that other stuff. I'm curious to know, did you ever have in your career any moment where it was a little more difficult for you to do more script together? Like, oh, he's the guy who does that. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm you know fighting I mean? in that right now every day. Okay. I mean, and I fight the stereotype of that I'm a crime guy, mm-hmm. which is true to some extent. And then I'm just a hip hop <clears throat> guy, you know, which is true. To some extent. And so you got to put stuff off. I got a half hour comedy I'm shooting um, called The Red Cup. It's about like three different relationships. One starting, one beginning, and one should end. And it's mm-hmm. all like Red Cup is a metaphor. And so it's a half hour, kind of like Love American style. Okay. And, you know, when you get a Red Cup, 
when you know somebody give you a red cup and they give you that good drink and so it's about <laughs> somebody giving you a real good drink a full cup of love right. versus somebody giving you like you know if they don't really like you don't give you that little styrofoam with some bullshit in it right I, I have you have to force people to respect your other hustles people mm-hmm. you know these this is a city to me you know i'm not from out here i'm from the bay and, right, and from too. new york yeah. city mostly and they follow the trend, you know. Mm-hmm. They fought, they fell up, and so until I make a couple of really hot scripted things, and they be like, "Oh damn, that's the dude that did the two hot scripted things." And right. so, um, no. But I'm right now in these these unscripted things, just paying the bills, the, mm-hmm. the tuition. Um, right. I was blessed to, in the pandemic to reopen my office in Burbank, and I've done a few things just to our thing because one of the my big issues, which I talk about a lot, is that the lack of people of color producing shows about people of color. Thanks. And so I work with these big companies or whatever, and I may be the EP or co-EP or showrunner or whatever it is. And a lot of times people on the post side or in the field, they hire their people. And yep. so I'm like, I'm not going to be in the middle of Brooklyn or in Dougie Fresh's studio in Harlem with a bunch of people who don't look like us and don't right. tell our story. So part of my reason for reopening my office was to make sure that I can hire people myself. And there's no better feeling than sitting in my office and seeing you know, seven or eight people, Asian guy here, Latino female here, mm-hmm. sister, you know, people. I, I can look at Hollywood mm-hmm. and see directly students of mine or people that I've worked with or developed doing different things now because right. I was intentional about doing that. You know, Richard Pryor um, famously walked off set because like until there's some black people or black gaff or DP yep. or whoever, <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't coming back. I love it. And so that's, that's how I think. And so, you know, I'm going to just force them you know, as Hope said, you know, I'm gonna make y'all cross over to me. I'm not crossing over to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, that's an important stance to take, and I feel like enough people don't want to flex that power, or they don't feel they can flex it. And but it's important to get more people in. You know, I remember we were. I was putting a list together for, um, like a department head list for some some people that, that we know some top of showrunners and stuff like that. And I was like, I was like, hey, so everybody send me the, you know, who, who they can recommend, mm-hmm. you know? And the list is not that long. No, it's you short know? as fuck. It's so short for yeah. like, you know, like like the makeup people, the mm-hmm. production designers, all this kind of stuff. It's really... Yeah. It's like six, seven people in each line. It's like, it's like if that, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's, um, yeah it's, it's really sad. Mm-hmm. But you, I think that, you know, I don't know, but it's, that intentionality is because of my background as a Black Panther, kid of the Black Panther right. Party and the kid mm-hmm. of the hip-hop generation and the kid of the Out to Trunk, where we had to force them to listen to us or mm-hmm. give us props or let us be on TV. Or, and so I'm like, if I'm going to get that chance, i got to be bringing people up with me to make sure we get to control because that's what they do. Yeah. you know. And we see them. I mean, I, we all know the people I'm talking about. They control studios mm-hmm. and, and all of that. So... Um, you know, we got to make sure we look out. And now it's it's a trip because you know, last year or so, being black is is hot. Being right. gay is hot. Being <laughs> black is hot. A Latina back flipper showrunner <laughs> from whatever they be looking for it all. Right. CNN didn't want to holler before. Now they're like, hey, remember when you were telling us about whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a project that's close to your heart in general, or do you have one? That's related to Oakland and the Bay Area and where you're from. That's just, you like you, to you're going to leave a, a long time, brother. You might, you might need to go get a couple lottery tickets right now. Um, no, I have a, children, a, a piece called Children of the Black Panther Party. It's a four-hour doc series that looks at the kids who grew up in the Black Panther Party. It was nice. bought and sold a couple of times. Um, it looks like the lives of Tupac Shakur and Kanye West and Ta-Nehisi Coates and um, Kalita and all these different people whose parents were in the Black Panther Party. And I think as the hip-hop generation... 
we weren't Huey and Bobby. We didn't, whatever. But our lives, Tupac was affected by what his mother did politically and affected our minds. We always see the Black Panther Party from the Huey, Bobby, Angela Davis part, but we never see what happened to their kids. And so I'm working on that. And then now the ironic thing that happened was because it was sort of like a continuum from them in the 60s to us in the 80s and 90s. Now I can put the Black Lives Matter people and right. to see where Bobby started and Huey to them. And so it mm -hmm. looks at that and looks at you know music and culture and all it's that. It's now. It's now. Yeah, yeah. And so it looks like that's going to get sold. And uh, I have, you know, my super baby project is a project, a scripted project that I have about Roger Trotman. More bounce, yeah. computer love. Mm -hmm. So I have the rights to his um, story. And so that's my baby. <laughs> our, our, our good buddy Reggie was connected for a minute um, and a few other people. So, um, no, that's my dream project is to do the Roger Trotman sort of four-hour scripted deal. Because Roger is, you know, a bridge from us with computer love. That's I want right. to be your man. He's on um, California love, you know, and hip hop. I listen to him at least once a week. That's, that's my, that's my guy. And, you know, yeah. and I told his story on Unsung and mm -hmm. it was a really sad yes. but beautiful story. And that obviously Roger was an amazing, talented person. Mm -hmm. But uh, at the end of Roger's life, unfortunately, uh, Roger's brother killed him and then yep. killed himself. Crazy. And so it and makes they, for yeah, perfect. Right. And, and then they, and, and the group, you know, came back mm -hmm. and started to use and come back and perform. But it was part of actually my episode that I did help them do it mm. because they were sort of lost and if you watch it you know I'm gonna say this has nothing to do with writing but I will yeah, say this is, all this is just off the cuff mm -hmm. is that it's a trip for people talking about this trauma now yeah. and black problems and dealing with vulnerability but in the Rogers story Rogers brothers and sisters and relatives had not dealt with that. They didn't go to therapy when your brother kills you, right. That's right. your brother and then kills himself. <clears throat> That's right. mm -hmm. And there was a point when the kids of each one fighting each other. Your dad killed my dad. Yeah. Fuck you. They went to the morgue to identify the body and his kids, Rogers kids got on top of the dead body on the what? sheet because they were in pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when they're interviewing with me, they're dumping their pain on me because yeah. they they hasn't been addressed. It hasn't mm -hmm. been addressed to that point, mm -hmm. right? And so I remember when I did that show, and I think that's why I want to do this so bad is that I went back to my hotel and and uh, and uh, was that in Cleveland, Dayton, Dayton, and uh, I just cried. It just was like it just mm -hmm. was a lot to take For yeah. from these people who didn't adequately deal with it. And so thank God, you know, they've gotten some help and they've gotten themselves together. And they've been back on the road and yeah. doing a lot of shows, but we we got to deal with that trauma and I'm glad to see that in the media now that's that people nice. it's okay to talk about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the, the you know, that's the mental health issue that I think black people in particular have found it taboo to talk about that or don't want to address it, but it's so inherent to our who we are. You we, know, we, the, the, we we got PTSD. Just for me. I remember maybe 10 years ago now maybe a little longer than that yeah maybe 15 years ago when i did that movie fuck you pay me mm -hmm. and it was playing at the at the pan-african festival uh there was a movie that i saw called um uh it was called like post-traumatic slave disorder hmm. was what it was and this whole thing was talking about like how you know the trauma of slaves and all that is like it travels through our generations hmm. travels from father to son mother to daughter just goes through and he was kind of pointing out this older black guy. I think he was at like Cornell or some of those things. He was he, he this theory about how you see just the generational trauma and how it affects us 
and it's interesting, you know, there's, there's, you know, which, when you mentioned that, the, the Rogers brother killed his brother, first thing that came to my, my head is Marvin Gaye. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, wow, like, okay, here's this story about these Whose killings. His father killed him. Yeah, his father yeah. killed him. anybody yeah. in the yeah. audience. Right. Right. You know, and it's like, I mean, this thing about the, the kids, the other I mean, that's brutal. And I, I mean, that's a brutal family legacy to, to d- deal with, you know, like the, because because c- c- those cousins can't really be close to each other. I mean, they can, but it's like, fuck, there's this huge wedge between us. And, and I think what's interesting about what, you, what you're saying, too, is how I think what we don't necessarily think about is when people tell you about their trauma, there's like this tank that's within you that about like how much you can take here in that and then it begins to overflow and that's when it's like hard for you and and and, and then you gotta one of the reasons i stopped becoming level. a reporter at the la times and, and i just had to stop and other i mean i got hired to source but the trauma of reporting on crimes people getting murdered sneaking mm-hmm. into the hospital trying to get the victim's family to talk seeing blood on the sidewalk mm-hmm. from people who had just got <clears throat> killed tracking a murder and seeing gangs kill each other over the sort of days and seeing the retaliations in real wow. life i just couldn't do it anymore mm-hmm. you know and it was good that i was able to do it but you know i was 25 27 years old and that, that was a lot to take sometimes because you know you telling somebody's mm-hmm. mama or whatever you know i'm trying to memorialize your son but you're like you got to take that in they want to dump their whole story on you so sometimes it's good i don't mind if i am People always ask me, what do I do as a producer? Mm-hmm. Um, my first thing I say is that I usually am Phil Jackson. You know, I just just trying to get Kobe and Shaq to just take the triangle and get along. And let's just win these championships. <laughs> right. And you stand over there and you shoot. And then, you know, that doesn't always work. But, you know, my goal is to take a Polaroid of whatever it is that I saw and just take the picture. Right. Now, you can see one thing from that Polaroid. You can see one thing and you can see one thing. But I just went out and tried to get all of it and let you see for yourself. So, you know, whether the trauma, the Troutmans or whoever, but, you know, uh, I've been blessed. You know, there's times when I just was like, yo, I don't want to do this shit anymore. This is ridiculous. But in other times where you know something you did or helps people like the Troutmans who mm-hmm. that helped them move forward. I um I relate to what you're talking about. They both know. I read a lot of like historical and bio stuff a lot all the time. And sometimes I find where like one of the projects I'm doing for Reggie is like, you're in that world and that past and you're researching you and you're reading a book about something and everybody's dropping the n-word like it's nothing you know and it's the sheriff of right. the actual time. it's like little stuff and I'm, it just and i find myself going home or sitting here in my office like just sad like it's just weighing on my shoulders like all that negative energy so that i gotta like stop and like work out or like do something go for a walk i gotta do something to get out of that because it like you said it does go home with you sometimes you know when you're living in that world it's too much yeah yeah i don't don't see myself ever uh cool i mean i I guess i still do it now i mean i went to see who tried to kill tupac and you know and tried to find the gun and all that kind of stuff but uh no um it's still a blessing i think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day for me you know, if you would have told me in East Oakland in the, in, the, in the 80s and 70s when I was writing those little love letters or whatever, mm-hmm. that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And it's just, it's unbelievable, you know, and uh, it's a blessing. I think it's good. Like, being able to get paid to write about people and right. tell their stories and <clears throat> film it and do whatever. Right. Man, without no police chasing you or like some girl who begged me, you got and trying to fight each other every day. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And trying to get out of this building where there's poverty and drugs all around you. Right. 
I'm, I'm, you know, I always say uh, every day I'm like, if I die today, I'm happy on my life turned out. Yeah, and you've done yeah. dozens of hours, dozens yeah, of hours yeah. of, of, of television. And it's funny to me um, how um, one of the things that I would love to see, and I'm really glad to hear you say that you really want to do this this other like uh, miniseries or whatever. I, I think that that is where I would love to see you go. Because I know I've seen most of your stuff and I know what you can do. So I'm like, imagine, let's get him some more script shit. It's just going to be... Right, no. I'm, I'm, like my goal other. is the black Jerry Bruckheimer. Nice. You know, Jesse Collins is my, 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 my cuzzo. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm very proud of Jesse and just in terms of how he's been able to, you know, obviously they know him as a live event guy, but now mm -hmm. he did, you know, the American Soul, he did yeah. New Edition. And so, you know, it's already innately from our world because right. we come from music and culture. Yeah. It's just the same thing. It's just scripted. Yeah. And so, you know, I think it's the time, you know, we, we're trying to rape these, you know, folks for as much <laughs> money as we can. We're exactly. trying, we, we, for what you did to the cold crush, you know, that's what we're going to do. That's right. For what you did to the cold crush, we're trying to, you know, get well, it right. That, that's what we talk about on, on the Writers Guild I and mean, on the Black Committee all the time about how, you know, now, you know, we put out our letter last year that you saw the Dear, White, Dear Black, Dear Hollywood. the Dear Hollywood letter. And, you know, since then, like, shit's really been turned around. Like, I told people, I get... At least once a week, some showrunner out the blue going, hey, Hilliard, uh, you don't know me, but, you know, I'm looking for a writer for this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, all the time. And so the shift has happened. So instead of going, oh, they only want us because we're black, I'm like, no, let's jump on that shit. Right. Let's take it. Let's eat it all up. Get your little money. Get your credit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 and use and, it. And I'm blessed. You know, obviously, I work sometimes mostly as a showrunner, but also co-EP. I'm like, well, can I get, get my writer? Can I get my supervising producer? And I'm giving opportunities to other people right. who normally wouldn't get that. You know, one of the things I'm talking about now is getting a development deal with somebody. But I told him, well, I could do stuff with you or be in-house to produce stuff, whatever. But I want you to try to develop these other producers, writers, people who don't have an agent or don't have an right. award or whatever, and get them some opportunities, too, right. because they may not ever get to this position. And we got to be thinking like that because, you know, well, Once his wave is over, New Jack Swing <laughs> era, mm -hmm. or New Jack City kind of era, Reggie, and then it <laughs> right. died, you know, came mm -hmm. back, and, uh, you know, other black movies later on, we we need to have our, we need to run more of our own production companies, more in charge of the Fact. process and the money. That it comes to your company, That's you it. hire, right? You don't need some whatever person calling me on the same, hey, we got a black thing, can you be our black dude? Exactly. I was just telling Chris the other day that we have, um, I was asked by a big um, EP at a big studio who reached out to me. They heard me on Clubhouse going in, <laughs> as I do, and um, thought they want to start a new program for, of course, diverse you know, writers. And I said, she's like, oh, so we did a whole Zoom, and I was like, look, here's my thing. Stop taking us from the bottom, right? So as you see, almost every program is like the Disney Fellowship or something where you're like, you've written a script or two and you you just are great and you wrote a great, you know, freaking statement about yourself and then you get in. Right. I'm like, stop that, right? What we need is guys like you, for example, like all of us who've made our own independent projects, you know, I've produced over 28 projects, you know, already. And I'm like, we are ready to run shows. <laughs> we are ready for that chat. Take us in there. You know, take the Issa before she got her, her insecure show. You know what I mean? I said, there are dozens of them out there. Take a lot of those people and get them ready to be the next showrunners so that we don't have that excuse that we don't have experience. That's they always, always be like, you know, well, we can't find that black guy bullshit. to run this show about such and such. Can you find whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, bullshit. it's funny. It's a conversation we were having the other day in the writer's room about, um, not our show, but Koei P was talking about how someone that he knew is the white guy was tapped to be 
the showrunner for this show that was this this black comedy created by a woman. She's mm-hmm. like gonna she's never you know it's her first thing she sold, so she can't be the showrunner. Um, and he was like, "Yeah, I can't find a number two. I can't what? find a black number two because not that they can't." They, but it's like everyone is booked. Everybody's booked. Yeah, there is because, that because there's such a there's such yeah. a such a low number right. of people. And I was like, that's and we had this whole discussion about like how you get stuck at the bottom. Yep. You know, like staff writing three and four times and yep. five times, and you know, and this and that kind of bullshit. And like, and then the there's and then the and the ESC was saying who's Asian. Like he was saying, there's this weird thing where it's like you don't think to ask. You, a lot of people at that level don't think to ask. And he was saying, you know, talking to Cody P about something. He goes, yeah, like you told me, just ask. Just mm-hmm. go ahead and ask. And it's not going to hurt. And the whole thing is like, I think there's this fear of like, if you ask, you're going to get smacked back as opposed to. <laughs> We're just so afraid you, of the system. That, that right. you and don't want to like, we just so happy to be there. I got a good friend who um, I always be fucking with him. And y'all, y'all podcast talk shit. Mm-hmm. He's don't want to share his white people. And I'm like, look, dude, <laughs> you don't own those white people. <laughs> I know you want to be the go-between whenever I have a conversation with right. your white executive I at this big company. That's a, but I'm like, we need to be like, <laughs> we need to go and like, you know, good connect. Like, this is my boy. He, you know, he's going to work on the show or I found this person or whatever. We just like, we don't want to make the white man mad. I tell Crazy. him like, y'all just do, y'all be hiring all your homies. Y'all do the same shit. I'm yep. like, you don't understand the culture and you want to do something about it. You, I, I'm, you know, as Reggie Hudlin told me, mm-hmm. he was like, that's my job and his job, obviously, on a whole bigger level, is to be the people that they respect and know and has the credibility and call them on their shit mm-hmm. because they're going to have more conversation with me than they will with other people because. You okay? We're about to be going in a minute, all right? All right. I know she's, she got that much iPad. <laughs> no, but, you know. Got the Hollywood. Welcome, welcome this, to Hollywood, see, this is a real. <laughs> you know, here professional. Like, look, he's been out on the streets a lot. Like, exactly. we gotta stop because. We... Is that you know? There's generations of people who died for us to be in these situations, Facts. to be in Hollywood and get all these you know opportunities. And and brother Richard Pryor or or, or Sidney Poitier mm-hmm. or even Bill Cosby, if you want to you know talk about his actual work and not what he the dumb shit he did. Mm-hmm. Um, for us to get these opportunities, control yep. these shows, to own our own shit, to get these Issa Rae, to get these Kenya Bear situations, yep. you know what I'm saying? They had to like fight. And so I, I'm like, that's in the front of my brain all the time. Right. You know? I might get a couple of checks, but you know, sometimes I give a PA or a gaffer, I see them and they're starting and learning and I see them growing. Mm-hmm. Some editors who wasn't that great and then by the time, like two years later, you know, it's just, we, we don't get those, and so it's up to us to build those ties amongst us. But I, I, I can't overstate it enough. Yeah, because I think what happens a lot is, um, you know, if you're black and you're given a shot, you know, it's like you're on a really, with white people, like it's like you're on a tight leash. Mm-hmm. And that leash is nowhere near as tight for their white friend that they bring in. Like, you know, this whole thing about failing up, and shit like that. It's like I, you know, do black people get to fail up? Mm-hmm. You know, no, no. But that's fucked up because no. the, whole, the fact that the whole concept exists means that there's motherfuckers who, who who are given, you know, two, three, four strikes. You know, no, 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 
two, three, four times that bat, right. striking out. Oh yeah. You know, oh, I, I, I will give you more, just mm-hmm. more innings for your ass. You know, whereas black person is mm-hmm. like you get one strikeout and you and, and then go back to the minor mm-hmm. leagues. One I say strike. This, yeah. I say this all the time, and I'm gonna keep on saying it. A lot of white folks get there based on potential. We get there based on our resume. We have to have fucking receipts that we've done the shit. And, you know, <laughs> a lot of times I'll say, you know, I'm just thinking right now about a couple of things that I'm working on. And all the executives are female mm-hmm. and they are one sister. Yeah. And then another thing I was doing, everyone was white, literally. Mm-hmm. And it was a gangster show. But um, I got to be on my P's and Q's. Or as we say sure. in the streets, my proper's got to be right. You know, yeah. I really got to. And I'm very conscious of making sure that I'm know the creative and know what I'm supposed to do, turn shit on time, make sure I handle business, make sure I know what the budget just I, I gotta like do it right because yeah. they're not gonna give to me more me's a chance unless I come in. You mm-hmm. have to do your job. Mm-hmm. You don't get in just because well, I'm brown and right. I gotta mm-hmm. I worked on the Im- image awards or something. You know, you actually <laughs> you gotta go shoot that, produce that and you know, that's what you whatever. And so a lot of people to me, only thing I would say about the generation now, which I don't like and I think, you know, this is off subject. I just was talking to a young lady yesterday about this. Mm-hmm. Even like dating, they want to cut to the end when I'm on stage getting an award. <laughs> right. They just yes, want to show do. up and be like, let me send you a DM or right. take a Snapchat thing. And now it's good. Now I'm a celebrity because I did an Instagram video. Or I did a couple of TikTok things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you know how much work it took to get to that place? You have to do that work. You have to write the words on the page to get the shit, and then you have to rewrite it, and then you have to go, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I, this last thing is that I agree with you on that, but I, th- you know what? I started hearing this a lot maybe 10 years ago about the way people were teaching children, mm-hmm. where is that, is that like you get an A for showing up. You know, like in school, like, yeah. hey, like, here's your gold attendance star for right. attendance. <laughs> right. yeah. and, and these and, these and, kids be getting little trophies. I'm like, when I was young, you like, didn't get no trophy for you, shit. You, you might get a third place, maybe, or a second place. Right, right. So, it was the, 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 so, so you you push that out, and it's like, well, I should get the, the A plus because I reached out to you on the DM. It's like, no, 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 that's not, that's not how it goes. It doesn't work that way on any level. But see, please, it is like, crazy. do the work. Because, because the, the thing is, if you don't do the work and you don't sit down and like, and, and fight, because you, you always reach a wall on something and then you got to break through. And the breakthrough is when you've learned what it is, right? And you, mm-hmm. and you take that lesson for you. And the thing is, if you don't do the work, then you won't have that breakthrough, and then you won't know what happens when you're in a real situation, right. and the shit the shit comes at you really hard. You're like, how do I handle this? Mm-hmm. Because you haven't like fought through and done the work and been slapped back, and 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 and, and it's like it's like there was something that went on where it's like people don't want you to deal with adversity, you know, and you have to deal with adversity because it's gonna happen, right. you know. It's like, the, like 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 everyone knows when you're making a movie, doing a show, some bullshit. That you did not expect it's gonna come. is gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, you can even plan, okay, you know what, there's gonna be some bullshit. So let's just say so let's budget for that. Right. But sometimes that gets exceeded, <laughs> you know, because you just you because you don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah. Correct. And that is where if you've faced a lot of adversity, you know, and not like a shit ton, but like but yeah. if you've dealt with diversity, well then you know how not to panic in that situation. And the panic the panic could just make you panic for twenty minutes, but yeah. you know. But but the thing is, that's but that might be too long. You, you know, know? It's, well, famously, you know, I'm, I'm funny Jesse, <laughs> I would laugh. But we used to say we got to let's see how it play it, let itself play itself out. That means like 
you gotta let it play out. Like mm-hmm. sometimes, like one thing I'm doing now, I have one host in mind. It happened. Call the other host. It happened. Mm-hmm. I got two other in mind. I'm like, let it play itself out into whatever. And yeah. I think people who don't know how to, you always end up where it's supposed to be. You and then <laughs> I asked somebody for an interview this time. They said no. And three weeks later, they called back and said, okay, yes. Right. Right. You know. So chips have to fall yeah, sometimes. Yeah. For sure. It's good. Yeah. Well, thanks, P. Frank. Man, this is awesome, dude. Finally getting you on the show. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. You know, the OG out there doing big things. It's it's good. It's good. You guys are in this famous historical place. They got some Negroes in here. You got light skinned (laughs) Negroes. They just let everybody on the lot nowadays. Before you had to, you know, be a butler, a cleanup person. Y'all got offices. We came in here with tuxedos on this shit. Y'all got Malcolm X up in here. Y'all real radical up in here. We're trying to let them know. See, I didn't tell you, you know, I grew up in EPA, East Menlo. And so, like, all my homies, you know, uncle or brother or whatever was part of the band. So, I grew up in yes, them. Had the them on my business. wall. You yes, know I mean? I the was, town business. I was deep into that. Yeah, I'm going back to celebrate my uh, 50th birthday. So, we're having a big um, event on June 12th in the Bay Area with uh, the Loonies, okay. Conscious Daughters, maybe a guy named Ty Shaw might show up or whatever. So, it should be a good time. I'm very nice. blessed. Without, without Oakland. Without Oakland, it ain't me. That, that sounds <laughs> like a sense. hot celebration. Yeah. So where you at? Can people follow you? You on? I'm uh, just at P Frank Williams, P F R N K Williams. I don't have no money. Everything. Yeah, I'm not little baby, middle baby. <laughs> I ain't none of that shit. I'm just P Frank. I keep my street name and my corporate name. You're all on one. Twitter, <laughs> you're on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all, right. all the same thing. Right. And www. Yeah, go check out his website. It's dope. Um, it is. Where you at, Chris? I'm at unauthorized CBD <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Nice. Tracy Grant, can can you say when your show is going to drop yet, or do you, have they told you? Late season one, it was, it was pushed, so it's now November 4th. All right, that's what's up. So, you know, lots more coming with that. Season one is on the way. I'm at The Real Trey on Twitter, T-H-E-R-E-E-L-T-R-A-Y. Tracy Grant, 5439 on IG. I'll at me. That's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Fucking clubhouse. I would say fucking clubhouse. Uh, <laughs> gotta get on clubhouse a little bit more. It's, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. We be having fun when, when I, I go on. I don't on. know. I go on about the time. I go on like once a month. So when, that's all. I don't have any time to do <clears> that. Yeah. Um, anyway, all those places you, you can follow me at Hilliard Guest. Um, you can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, screenwritersrantroom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you listen to. We're everywhere, all over the world out here making the show, giving you guys some game, you know, and all that stuff. So um, please follow us. What else, Chris? What else we got? We can, you can support the show on screenwritersrr.com. You can go to our Patreon link that's on that page. Uh, and then there's a bunch of tiers that you can support us at various levels, $1, $5, $25, you know, just... Million dollars, whatever. A million dollars, you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a custom... P, P said he gonna hook us up. Yeah. A, yeah, there's a custom... <laughs> Private school money. Um, yeah, but you know, I mean, this is, we, I mean, yeah, yeah, th- yeah. That's where we... Uh, if you support, I mean, look, we're almost at 400 shows, you know, so... Yeah, we gotta do something big for Who college. supports the show? And who thanks to us? everyone who's supported up to this point. Indeed, indeed. Um, anyway, so Lisa hopefully be back soon. Um, I keep wondering. I think she may not want to come because of the Rona. She's still in that. Some people are like, I'm still not coming around for a while. So I, it's fine. Whatever. You got um, all good. So why, why, why are you concerned about? All good. Whatever. Um, anyway, so we love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Everybody joining me for Wakanda Forever YouTube. P. Um, so check us out. Here we go. On this show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what everybody. Wakanda, Wakanda forever. forever. Yeah. Peace, y'all. See what I feel.
And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Diminishing the doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind and the business got me stressed In the red room, we let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds got no time for no caca Sass in class, yes that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess when you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline into something enlightening Your pen and words are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel, say what you want Welcome to the red room This episode of the Screenwriter's Rant Room is brought to you by the Tyrota Finish Line Social Impact Script Competition. It's back for a second year in a row. The competition will again celebrate film and television scripts that seek to raise awareness and inspire change regarding urgent issues with critical relevance across our society now, such as racial, gender, or economic inequality, climate change, drug addiction, the broken foster care system, gun violence, and much more. The competition especially encourages submissions from historically underrepresented writers. The Tyrota Finish Line Script Competition runs from January 18th through June 10th. Please go to Film Freeway and learn how to submit your script.